Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. It's much more difficult in the moment of being triggered or the moments after being triggered to, um, because that's so loud and noisy to say, well, wait a second, Um, what are my patterns? What is my behavior? Am I happy with my behavior? Do I like the way I control or I explode or I implode or whatever it is that I do? And that's a harder thing to do. It's not, we're, in general, I think we're often conditioned that if we're upset, then it's somebody or something that's the, the root cause of it. And, and we really, as at JBD, come at it from a different direction. If, if we're upset and triggered, then, then there are wounds and, and shortcomings and character uh, behaviors that we might want to look at to become our best self. Welcome to JBD Team Talks with your host, Karen McMahon. During Team Talks, you get a chance to meet our JBD coaches as we discuss challenges and difficulties that are common to everyone facing divorce and provide you with tips and strategies to help you master the art of managing your thoughts, calming your emotions, and intentionally choosing your responses. And now for today's topic. Welcome back to another episode of JBD Team Talks. Uh, Today is Ask the Coaches, and we have with us uh, Carrie Doutz, Rachel Goldman, and KP Towers. And we've got a bunch of questions from our listeners. We discuss so much uh, on the podcast in terms of the challenges that you're facing and uh, the types of behaviors that you would be well served to engage in. And a lot of times we get these questions back saying, I hear you, it makes sense, but how the heck do I do that? And so today's episode is designed to share some of the how-to behind the tips and strategies that we suggest. And so, Carrie, uh, first of all, welcome, everybody. Thank you, Karen. It's always great to be here with you on our Team Talks podcast. And so, Carrie Hopkins-Delt, I'm one of the coaches here with JBD. I want to introduce Rachel. You want to say hello, Rachel? Sure. Hello. Very happy to be here. This is this is our first Team Talks where uh, you get to hear from different coaches at JBD. And so we hope this will be super helpful for all of you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel. And KP, would you like to say hello? 
Yes. Hi. I'm, I'm Again, I want to echo what Rachel says. It's really exciting for us all to be together and to offer support and, and insights to all of our listeners. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, KP. And of course, Karen, uh, you know, she's she's got lots of wisdom, insight, experience in coaching people going through divorce. And so we're just putting our heads together with some of the common questions that come up in our coaching or um, in response to a uh, request for a rapid relief call, which is one of those um, complimentary sessions that we do with people who are really wanting to explore how to navigate through their divorce. Anyway, there's so many great questions. What we're going to do is we're going to bring in a question, and then all four of us are just going to bring our uh, thoughts into answering the questions. And so it's kind of a conversation that you get to listen into between all four of us coaches. So this is a question we get a lot, and especially in these rapid relief calls, I just can't decide whether to stay or go. And I've been on the fence for years. How do I make such a huge decision? I don't know about you, but my experience was certainly like that. I think I was on the fence for two years in deciding whether or not to divorce. Because what we get into is this, well, it's not so bad. I can cope with it. This is, you know, we're making some progress. And then the next thing that comes up is like, that's it. We're done. I, you know, so it, it's like we just could go back and forth. And and in the meantime, we're coping. So any other thoughts from you guys on that? Yeah, this is very common, I, I, especially like you said, during rapid relief calls when people call in and they're really feeling stuck in that way. And I have found that that Part of a big part of the stuckness is they know what the marriage feels like. They they do not know what it would be like to leave. And so the huge, huge unknown financially, socially, you know, if you have kids, how are you going to parent? Where are you going to live, et cetera, et cetera, just becomes so overwhelming and paralyzing. And so um, some of some of what I try to help people do is to be able to manage the, the, the unknown a little bit better so that the overwhelm lessens and take it in tiny baby steps, because that's what I have found keeps people stuck is just the overwhelm of the unknown. I don't know if other coaches have found that with clients or rapid relief callers. Yeah, Rachel, I totally agree. It's like, okay, well, yes, stay or go is a huge decision. So let's let's just play with the baby step. Let's look at, okay, like even in my experience, like, oh, there's a there's an option of going. Divorce is an option because for so long, because of different ways that I was brought up, that wasn't an option in my mind. So allowing yourself to go there and think, okay, so what would that look like? Put your hand on the stove. That's what I like to call it. Like, let's see, let's put it. What does it feel like? What does that, what do you learn? If you look into the future, what do you see? You know, what do you hope for? And, and then kind of just see what comes up from there. Yeah. Love that. I I take a slightly different approach when I'm working with people who uh, are on the fence. I, I often suggest, um, if you start with staying, but you do the work, 
uh, and you 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 can actually backshell the should I stay or should I go? If you stay with Journey Beyond Divorce and you're doing the work of noticing yourself and noticing your behavior and changing and improving yourself, uh, it's going to become really clear not so far down the road whether your spouse is uh, aligning with that and changing with you or pulling further away. And so for me, I was on the fence like Carrie for over two years, little children involved. And it was in my therapy that the clarity came because I was choosing to do the work while I stayed. And then going was just obviously the next thing that I had to do. So there's a lot of different ways of of going about looking at this, taking baby steps, considering um, what is that unknown? What is my fear? What is the worst case scenario? And 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 doing the work, doing that work on yourself, uh, whether you're staying or going, and you'll be further along down the path. Yeah. All of these are great. And sometimes when I'm working with people, someone who's really stuck with this, you know, a lot of times we're afraid to know what we know. We're just afraid to name it, to just we're afraid to call it out because of that uncertainty that Rachel was talking about. And a lot of times we need a a tool to help us bypass the head that is going through all this back and forth and weighing the options and, you know, trying to be so careful, which is important. We want to be careful. But when we are afraid of knowing what we already know, uh, I take people through an exercise of, I call it future pacing, where we really energetically step into the place of, okay, you are divorced. What's your life like right now? What's occurring in your life? How's it going with your children? What's happening in terms of your uh, financial stability? Just it's like we get to put them into that future, not as the way they're thinking about it, but how does it feel energetically? What's going on there? Who's with you? And sometimes when somebody is really leaning towards the divorce, but they're afraid to say it, it's just stepping into that future that helps them go, absolutely, this is this is the life I want to be living. Now, how do I create that life? You know, that's that's where we got to, you know, backtrack it to, well, here's where you are right now. You've got a clear future of what uh, a clear vision of what your future can look and feel like. Let's see how we can get you there. Yeah. There's another exercise, uh, Carrie, that you shared on an earlier podcast that we did, which I loved and I've used so many times. Uh, which sounded something like, uh, imagine that you come home one day and your spouse is sitting on the steps, luggage packed and tells you, I'm leaving, it's over. What's that first um, emotion that you feel? And, And if it's like a hot second and then relief, then there's a part of you that's really crystal clear uh, and you're afraid. And so I, I love that exercise. And maybe you want to elaborate on it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good. Thank you for reminding me of that. That was actually how I decided. That was the exercise that was used with me with a coach because it was that just sort of that back and forth and everything. And so when I felt that relief, uh, I knew. 
I knew that that was the decision. And just having that clarity sometimes of knowing the decision, even if you keep it to yourself for a bit, then you can start on some of the other um, things that are important to do, like gathering information, educating yourself about the divorcing process, starting to create your exit plan, starting to you know, do those like logistical kind of things that those baby steps that someone was talking about here that are going to help you get beyond the hurdle of, okay, I've made the decision. Now, what do I need to, to put it into action? I love that. I love that visionary exercise <laughs> because what, what it does is moves you from your head to your heart. And, and so much, I hear people sort of making their pros and cons list and it's completely in their head. And so the more you focus on that, the further you get from what's in your gut and what's in your heart. And that vision pulls you right back to your head, to your heart and your gut. Yeah. And I want to actually clarify, it actually takes you right into your gut. It takes you right mm-hmm. into the body. You know, it's that visceral, uh, you know, this is how I feel. You know, for other people, it might be that, oh my gosh, this is not what I want. You know, and but it's your body giving you that information. Like you said, Rachel, it's bypassing all this, all the stuff that we've been in. When we're in our heads, we're in the known. You know, we are what in that area of trying to imagine from what we already know. But when we're in our body, we're in that place of, well, I don't know what's going to happen after this, but I do know what I know, which is I have my decision. Yeah, that, that speaks to that. The You can't unknow the knowing. <laughs> and I think a tangent or an additional layer of the stay or go decision is you can have that knowing and then how do we actually go? And I think, you know, speaking to some of that is like taking those baby steps, but um, cause you can say you're still in flux on that, but you know, deep down I, is what I find a lot with our clients as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you're speaking to KP uh, is the complexity, which is why we offer the rapid relief call, which is why we know that a one-on-one call with someone who can poke at, is it the fear of the unknown? Is it the fear of being the bad guy? Is it the fear of losing your children? Like we know that there's this this undercurrent, this riptide going on beneath the surface. And And so those are the kind of powerful questions that we all ask our listeners when they call in for that rapid relief call to help them gain clarity, um, minimize that very loud, obnoxious fear voice and stand in what's more real. And so I think that if you're listening and this is where you're at, um, you know, definitely go to rapidreliefcall.com and uh, and book a call with one of us and, and we'll help you work through that. Absolutely. Well, thanks. I think that question, uh, we've, we've done a great job with that one. So another, the next question um, I see here is, I seem to be super glued to what my soon-to-be ex is doing or not doing. And how do I actually make the shift from focusing on how I'm behaving? Uh, how do I actually make the shift 
Two, sorry, focusing on how I'm behaving when their behavior constantly triggers me. Such a great mm-hmm. question. Who, who would like to jump in here? That is so common. Oh. Well, <laughs> we've got- Go ahead. We're both eager. <laughs> Go ahead, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> that is so common. I have, I have a client right now who, who tells me that her soon-to-be ex is the first thing she thinks of when she wakes up and the last thing she thinks of when she's going to bed and throughout the day. And sometimes she's okay and sometimes something triggers her. Um, either somebody says something to her about him or she runs into him or something triggers her and boom, she's back into, um, that pit and, and, and that, that feeling like, like he's taken over almost all of her emotional and mental space. Mm-hmm. KP, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Yeah. So I think to that is um, focusing on those feelings. The feelings are, you know, they're messengers to us, but we get to choose, like we may not get to choose the first feeling or reaction we have to something, but we can choose how we want to act. So like noticing those feelings and then looking like taking that pause, which it's going to take a great deal of intention and then also practice, but um, saying, okay, who do I want to be in this how do I want to behave? Well, who do I want to be? Like, what is it meaning to me? Um, like if you look out from the outside, what would I want someone to see and how I'm behaving and just really focusing on how to act versus just that reaction? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you really have to help people learn to draw that curtain between themselves and their ex or their soon-to-be ex and say, what's going on over there is completely out of my control. It's completely, in a way, none of my business. You know, we we are, you know, our intention is to live separate lives once this divorce is final. And so it's definitely... Uh, can be a struggle for people who have as a habit pattern judging the the person that they are separating from and really going into these well he or she should be doing this or shouldn't be doing that that it's that judgment that locks us in to to them when if we recognize hey I'm judging let me pull my focus and my attention to find the place inside of me that is um, hurting, perhaps, or that is uh, angry, and really just deal with that myself and leave him or her to be doing what they're doing. Um, that's where our power is, to work with ourselves, to get, gain clarity on how we are showing up, as you said, uh, KP, who who do I choose to be in this situation? Again, it's reminding us of what we have control of and what we don't. And when we're constantly putting our attention over there, we're just setting ourselves up to to be hurt all over again, to uh, be frustrated, and and it's not productive at all. So that's what I tell people. It's like, let's draw that curtain. Let's imagine that there's this, this curtain and you can't see what they're doing. Let's bring the focus back to you. Often when we're talking, and we do this in the group calls a lot too, because people will go on, well, he blah, 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 and she, and now she's dating and blah. 
you know, it's just like, well, what would it be like to draw that curtain and just really focus on your feelings, your thoughts, what it is you want to create in your life and let them go? I love yeah, the that. letting them go, that is often what is um, the, the big, powerful string that is hooking the person into being so occupied with, with their soon-to-be ex-spouse. And, and it's a powerful string because I've asked some clients, what would it be like if you really let it go and really focused on yourself? And sometimes that triggers an enormous amount of pain. Mm-hmm. But once they're able to release that pain, then they can start to take the steps to, to really focus on themselves and their life, life and, and how they want to be in the world. Yeah, I want to echo um, what Carrie said, but a lot of it sometimes is a pattern because we we have become accustomed to reacting to the way they're behaving. And we did that so long often in a way to tolerate and to keep things together. And so like having that reminder, as, as also Carrie said, is like that you're looking to have separate lives. So if you look at this from two separate lives, you know, how are you able to step back from it and move forward? on who, again, who you want to be and how you want to show up. And if we look at this in terms of attachment, that's that's the hard thing, I think, for people to really take a look at. In a marriage, we're attached to our, our spouse. Uh, it's usually a positive attachment. We get love, nurturing, understanding, companionship, you know, sex, all that good stuff, you know, in the marriage. And that attachment is very strong. When the separation starts to come about and we need to shift that attachment from uh, being attached to not being attached, usually the step that takes place in between that is being attached negatively, being attached to them by still kind of looking in on what they're doing and judging them. and, and, And it's better than no attachment at all. Mm-hmm. And we don't really think about this consciously, but it's it's when we recognize, hey, I am still attached to this person, and it's a negative attachment. It's not bringing me anything that is of value. That's when we start to look at how do I let go of the attachment. Yeah. You know, I think that these are such great points, and it's easier to look at somebody else's flaws than ours and if you're if you're heading toward divorce then then your spouse's flaws have been a focus of your attention for some time it's been habitual right could you please i've told you you never it's much more difficult in the moment of being triggered or the moments after being triggered to um because that's so loud and noisy to say well wait a second Um, what are my patterns? What is my behavior? Am I happy with my behavior? Do I like the way I control or I explode or I implode or whatever it is that I do? And that's a harder thing to do. It's not where in general, I think we're often conditioned that if we're upset, then it's somebody or something that's the the root cause of it. And and we really as at JBD come at it from a different direction. If if we're upset and triggered, then then there are wounds and and shortcomings and character 
behaviors that we might want to look at to become our best self. And so, and all of you have touched on this in one way or another. Uh, my one of my favorite sayings is that every upset is a setup. And when mm. I get upset and triggered and I keep all my focus on the other person, I've I've actually missed the gift and the treasure in using that upset to understand myself, my behavior. I know through my divorce, so many changes happened. It's when I realized I was a perfectionist. It, when I realized I was a controlling person and I was like, me, he controls, I don't control. And then all of a sudden I was like, holy shit, like I'm really controlling. And so it's scary. It's hard. It takes courage and it takes breaking the old habit of looking and carry to your point, judging and, and replacing it with the new habit of looking in and being curious. And as Carrie always says, with kindness and compassion, being curious about what we can change. Um, because at the end of the day, we're, we're moving away from him or her and we've got ourselves and our whole life ahead of us. Have you been listening to our podcast for a while and still feel emotionally stuck and overwhelmed? If you desire to experience the ease and confidence we so often speak about, we have a program just for you. Our Broken to Brilliant group coaching program provides the emotional support and practical guidance needed to move forward with certainty and confidence. It's a safe, caring, and affordable space to heal from the pain of divorce and create a life you love. You can learn more about this 12-week program, which includes six 90-minute group sessions, powerful coaching that catapults you forward, and a community of peers there to support you. Just go to jbddivorcesupport.com backslash broken to brilliant and register today. We'll see you soon. I think that's a really great segue into another question. And I've listened to your podcast about getting out of victim mode, and I'm so stuck. How do I get out of this victim mentality? And I think we've touched on that a little bit when we are focused on what our soon-to-be ex is doing and on the externals, we're basically putting ourselves in that victim position. We're saying to that person, to everyone that we talk to about this, is that I'm at the effect of somebody else, of what they do and say or don't do has the power to uh, completely wreck my day. And, uh, you know, when we start to look at not calling your, not, not judging yourself harshly when you recognize, Hey, I've got some victim behaviors here. Not to like, not to go into overly castigating yourself about being a victim. Nobody likes to hear that word, you know, that, Oh, aren't you, are you being a victim here? It's like, ah, oh, just makes your skin crawl, doesn't it? <laughs> 
but we all do it. We all put our power into the hands of situations, circumstances, and other people to affect how we navigate through the the issues that we're facing. So, love to hear what you guys uh, think about how do you uh, address that when you see it showing up in your clients with kindness and curiosity and compassion, and how do you help people? Um, you know, get out of that victim mentality. People really do want to know. So I always want to start by acknowledging that there was or potentially a victimizing, like things happened. There were circumstances, um, there were interactions or where places where you were hurt or disappointed. Um, and so, yes, there, there was a victimization or victimizing, but that that doesn't necessarily make you a victim, right? Like that that's where our choice comes in. Um, looking at, it was like, so, you know, I, he did that. She did that. They did this. I can't do this because he, she, they um, does this. Like, you know, I was encouraged like, okay, well, what's another way of looking at that? You know, what's um, really spending a lot of time on what's the story that you're telling yourself around that. Um, these are things that we hear in our podcasts and I'm sure our clients are familiar with. And okay, so that story and how does that story feel? Does that story feel true for you? Does that feel true to what you want your life to be? And working yeah. on that, rewriting yeah. the story. Lovely. I love that. Rewriting the story, taking agency. If we think about it energetically, the, the energy of victim is where we tell ourselves, I lose. I, you know, I feel powerless. I feel helpless. I feel, um, I can't deal with this. And we just go into this shutdown mode, right? Where we withdraw from, from the situation that we're in. We feel like we have no power to, to move forward in a, um, in an effective way. It's like, I just want to lay on the couch and, you know, uh, lick my wounds and um, watch TV and distract myself from how terrible I feel. I feel like a loser here. And it's understandable that we all have that. It's part of our stress reaction, fight, flight, or freeze. We've all heard of this. And it, the free, it's often that freeze, you get stuck in that seeing, well, it doesn't matter what I do because what I do is, is not going to affect positively my situation. So I give up, I give up. And so when when we see people doing that, we just we want to make sure that we understand that that's that's just part of being a human being. We all experience that sometimes. And we just start asking the questions, what would happen if you stayed here? What would happen to your children if you stayed here? What might you be, you know, uh, giving up on if you approach the divorce negotiations from this stance? And often people sort of wake up out of that trance of, okay, I, I've, I've wallowed in this long enough. Maybe, now maybe it's time to get angry. Now maybe it's time to start reframing things. Now maybe it's start to, time to start getting a different perspective and stop blaming myself for everything. Very good points. I, Very good points. I think it's important to differentiate being stuck in victim mode with grieving. 
um, because we feel very powerless when, when we're grieving. Grieving is a very, very normal feeling and experience go, going through leading up to often and going through the divorce process. And the danger is, is when we're stuck in, in the victim role focused on the other person, um, feeling like we have absolutely no ability to um, manage the way that, that, that we're functioning or the way that we're responding to things. Grieving is normal and, and it's really important to let yourself feel the grief that, that you're going to feel going through the divorce so that you can move through it and, and eventually come out of it. Mm -hmm. I love that distinction. And I, I, for me, um, victim mentality is very circumstantial. You know, when, when, when you're grieving, you're, you're grieving the bigger picture of what's that transition is. Whereas, and I have a great example. I just was coaching someone yesterday and it wasn't so much about her soon to be ex. Um, but before I get to the story, I would just want to say that uh, in 12 step programs, they talk about the pity pot, like get off of the pity pot. And to your point, each one of you, it, it, it feels so bad, right? It's like, I'm sitting here and like, woe is me. And I feel helpless. And, um, and, uh, uh, Byron Katie has a great saying about nothing happens to us. It always happens for us. I use that all the time. I was talking to my client this week and uh, she's in negotiations and they're stalled and it's mediation and the mediator's not communicating well and the attorney's not really driving it and giving direction. And the soon to be ex is perfectly happy being quiet and having everything when she's kind of like, really been stripped of a lot of the finances. And so one could look at the situation and go, holy cow, this is really hard. It makes perfect sense. And as we began talking, you know, I asked her, I said, I want you to take a step back from all the frustration and the fear. And I want you to think about how this might be for you. And in order to do that, I want you to think about how your showing up in this and what you're not doing or what you're doing that could change. And what came to the surface very quickly was her fear of upsetting the attorney who's supposed to be advocating for her, upsetting the apple cart, uh, sounding like a victim, being the complainer. And so what immediately came to the surface is, is are you are you voicing, um, are you standing in your power, voicing um, your concerns, articulating what you expect of your team? Like, are you standing in, in the power that you have in this? And, or are you afraid to for old reasons? And so this thing that feels so much like a pressure cooker was immediately turned around to, oh, how would I do that? And what are the fears that come up when I think about doing that? And how do I begin to move forward? And, and by the time we got off the call, the frustration was still there, but there was an empowerment. There was a, 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 a plan, a focus, some baby steps. And there was an absolute shift that 
if I use this rub, this difficulty to have my voice, how does that catapult me forward in all of the ways that I can have my voice going forward? And so I think that that, to me, that was in one session, I watched her shift from victim to this is uncomfortable. I'm scared, <laughs> but I definitely see that there's something I should be doing here and that this pain is inviting me to do something different. And I think that's what we're talking about when we shift out of victim mode. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it does take sitting with somebody, a coach, you know, who is just not afraid to get in there and ask those kind of curious questions, those provoking questions. Because sometimes when you're in the victim mode, you really, uh, you're in a trance. You're, you're A lot of times you're, you're rehashing the past and shoulda, coulda, woulda, and, and if only, and it, it, you're really putting all of your energy into trying to fix a past that happened that you don't like. But there's no power there. And you can't go back to the past. All you're ruminating about what should have been different so you wouldn't be in such pain right now. It's basically a waste of your time and energy. And when we are able to get clients to see that their solutions are not in the past, and their solutions are not in facing these crazy uh, fears that they put out into this imagined negative fa uh, future fantasy of fear of I'll be eating cat food and my kids won't <laughs> talk to me. And, you know, it, it's like one of our tenants is put your head where your feet are and be in the now, be in the present. And so I really love that story that you just shared, Karen, because it was this is the situation you're in it right now. How do you bring your power out of the past and out of the future and bring it to where you need it right now to go, how is this for me? How is this going to help me move forward in strength and, and clarity and hope and faith in my new future? You know, um, you mentioned coaches asking provoking questions and probing and holding a mirror up to the client. And sometimes what clients find really helpful is if they're really stuck in, in that victim mode is for me to reflect back. So here's what I'm hearing and, and to, and to basically um, put their narrative right out there in front of them. And many times the client says, Ooh, Ooh, no, 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 no. That's, Oh, I don't like that. But when it's only in your head and you're ruminating, it, you really can't step back and, and get a grip on what it is you're telling yourself and, and, and how it's is and how it isn't serving you. Yeah, I think that the point of a healthy sounding board is is vital. Everything's like Mount Everest between our ears and then you say it. And I've had the same thing where a client will be like, yeah, that's just not true. You know, <laughs> it's like, but they needed to hear it. They needed yeah. to hear it outside of their head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why it's important, like you said, to have that sounding board, because then they began to recognize it on their own and they can do the shifts on their own more easily because we, you know, had that moments where we've helped them hear it, see it, recognize it, raise that awareness. And then now what do you want to do about it? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
Yeah. I think we have time for one more question. Is that well, uh, yeah. And, and Rachel opened this up a little bit with the distinction between, you know, feeling like a victim and grieving, you know. Mm-hmm. So here's a question is like, I've been in the depth of grief for over a year. How long does it take me to get over the hurt of the divorce? And it's a common question that we, how long am I going to feel this way? And, you know, it's, we as a society are not really prepared or taught how to deal with the big feelings, you know, the sadness, the hurt, the despair, the regret, the anger, the, you know, these big feelings that we have that get triggered because grief is the normal uh, response to loss. We're going to feel all that stuff, depending, of course, on how important this was to you. And in a marriage where, you know, for most of us, for many of us, we've identified ourselves as this person's wife or husband. We've identified ourselves with our role as parent in the way that we do it. Uh, we've identified with ourselves with being married, being part of a couple, a we. And it's so hard to deal with these multiple losses that come when you're going through a divorce. So you lose the relationship. You lose, sometimes you lose the home, the marital home that you've been living in. You, you lose this, uh, normal way of being in a family. If you have children where we're all together all the time, we often lose the in-laws or the support systems or the, the, the friends that we've gained as a couple. Oftentimes people will be in camp husband or camp wife or, you know, um, or lack of a better way of saying it. So we just need to acknowledge that there's a lot of feelings present and uh, to give them a KP, I think you said, yeah, we acknowledge that our feelings have messages for us. And a lot of times in that active grieving space, uh, the message is I hurt, you know, I, I, I don't, I feel lost in my life right now. And, Basically, the question is, how long does it take if we are able to truly consciously grieve? And that means meeting your feelings with compassion, talking about them with a trusted person so that you're not just doing the some of the mistakes of grieving that we talk about, I think, in one of our podcasts uh, about grieving. Uh, the, the divorce. If you're able to meet your grief with compassion and, um, understanding and the understanding being your heart may feel broken but you're not broken you're going through something that's really hard and it it can be temporary but you do need to meet those feelings and you need to process them and you need to uh, get out of these things that we do to distract ourselves uh, from our grief, you know, we addictions are usually born out of an unresolved grief. Um, you know, those little habits of overeating or watching mindless TV or all those ways that we try to numb out or we try to push these feelings away because it doesn't feel good. So that's where coaching can really also help people is just to create a safe space for you to feel all these feelings, to understand that um, it's it's not who you are. You're grieving, but grief is not who you are. 
You're not a victim of what's happened to you. You're just going through the, the, the work that you need to do to accept and to create your new normal. And it takes time. Yes. And I always tell my clients, be patient with yourself because if you resist it, it will persist and persist and persist. And, and like you said, meet your feelings, Um, meet your feelings head on. Don't let them drive, drive your day or drive your outlook on everything, but experience them. And, and eventually you will get through it. And it's like riding a wave and grief comes over us in the most bizarre places and spaces unpredictably sometimes, and just let yourself experience it. If you're in a place where you can release, release that grief for the moment or moments, and then take a look at at where you are and where you want to be. Yeah. And also the questions you're asking yourself, um, you know, there's, Grief is complicated. Divorce grief is a comp- is a complex grief, not as if all all grief is, but um, there could be some confusion about why you're feeling grief. Because if, if especially if you're to a place or you are the one who said you know you know you wanted out of the marriage, and, just, and then you know that can add another layer. But just again, allowing for those feelings, recognizing both can be true, and um, and I think that's that's an important part of it, and just. I always remember, it seems like this question is coming up a lot with my clients lately. Like, oh, you know, and it's just, and I say, you know, there's just going to come a day where you're doing something normal, just regular. That's how I experience. Like you're in the grocery store or you're on the phone talking to somebody and you remember a time when you felt so sad and you were so deep in the grief process and you, you recognize, oh, wow, this is how I've come. Because I remember the last time I was on the phone with this person or the last time I bought this cheese at the grocery store, I felt so heartbroken. And look, I'm just buying the cheese. (laughs) And it's just like these little moments where it just, all of a sudden you recognize how far you've come from it in the process. Yeah. 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 I think the other piece that I've seen many times is depending on um, your family of origin or how uh, emotions were handled or how grief was handled. uh, You may have some underlying limiting beliefs that are keeping you from from doing what we're all talking about. And so, you know, if you're listening and and in your head, it makes sense. And yet you can't. Um, one thing to explore is, you know, how did how did your family deal with grief when you were a kid and and, you know, and, and the dog died or a family member got sick? Was it a hush hush? Nobody talks about this. Was it very open? Because our limiting beliefs impact everything that we try and do. And so you'll hear us so often talk about being in the head and um, the conscious and the subconscious are two very different realms. And if you're stuck and you know you need to grieve, uh, that's a place to explore a little bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the quality of support that you receive also is so important because how many of us have talked to somebody to suddenly realize that we're, our, our sharing is not safe. 
with them, Mm -hmm. you know, where we get shut down, you know, you hear this, uh, well, I never liked her anyway, so you're better off without her. So why do you feel so sad? You know, that's not going to be, so people, when you're grieving, they, they sort of uh, go into separate camps. There's the people who are toxic, you know, they're not helpful. Right. And, and then you have to go kind of retreat from them and <laughs> sort of lick your wounds that have just been inflicted upon yourself by that person. And then there's helpful people who will just listen to you. When a person is grieving, they need to talk. They need to share. They need to say everything that's in their heart and their mind. And if you can just do that without this need to fix them or make them feel better or reframe or do any of those things that we think are helpful, if we just shut our mouth and open our ears and just listen and just say, oh, say more. I understand, you know, and even saying I understand that can be tricky because people go, no, you don't understand. Mm-hmm. But it's understandable you feel that way. The The third camp is people who are just neither helpful nor harmful. They're just like neutral. But avoid the toxic people. Don't be talk- sharing, opening yourself up to that kind of, um, you know, it's a, not a safe space. Find those safe people for you to talk about your what you're going through. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, your grief and your your feelings are are nothing to feel like you have to justify to the world. The you know how it is with little kids and they fall down and they scrape their knee or something like that and they're crying and you know somebody scoops them up and says, "Oh yeah, that really hurts. Let's go wash it off. Let's Oh, it's okay." And we take care of the little boo-boo, right? We we're there with love and compassion. And they, the Band-Aid's on, give it a kiss, mom. You know, okay, you give it a kiss and off they go. They, they've forgotten it, you know, but they've expressed their feelings very freely. Yes. Um, you know, the, Karen may be talking about the gatekeeper, you know, uh, of, uh, you know, if we deny access to our feelings, if we're the gatekeeper and say, sadness, you shall not pass. Yeah. Anger is not okay here. Do you know what I'm talking about? The gatekeeper? Yeah. Yeah. And it reminds me of, we have a podcast um, on the genius in all of your emotions with uh, Carla McLaren. And it's just brilliant. And she explains how every emotion that we feel is here to inform us and guide us. And then for us to bid it farewell. And so sometimes we don't let it in at all. So we don't get the information. Sometimes we let it in, we get the information, but we don't listen for the guidance. So we don't we don't follow through. And sometimes we just never let it go and we get stuck in it. And so with grief, um, you know, all of those different stages and it's it's like a pendulum. It's like a, a, a pinball machine. You're bouncing all around those stages. And it's because that's where you need to be. That's 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 the healing that has to happen. And we don't need to understand it. We just we do. We do, however, uh, need to open our heart to it so that so that we can heal and and the the pushing it down and numbing it and all of the other um, baloney that's out there uh, just leaves us wounded for a longer period of time. Um, and I think that that's something that we all do in our sessions is really encourage people to um, 
to, to feel so that they can heal. Yeah. The, the feelings that we're not willing to feel, they don't go away. They uh, demand to be reckoned with, and they come out as things like road rage. They come out as um, uh, illness. You know, it can go into your body and and create um, weakness in your immune system. Um, you know, so it's really important to, if you think that you have to be the gatekeeper and keep these things out in order to manage that can be scary, and I understand. Find someone safe to to explore these feelings with so that you can hear their message, so that you can hear their guidance, and so that once, once they've delivered that, they do just pass through. Beautiful. Well, we covered a lot today. Yeah. Um, I, I, why don't we go around and each just leave our listeners with a tip on any of the topics that we talked about and uh, I think I think we should do this again. Mm, I like it. Yes. Well, I'll go Absolutely. first because I've got I've got a, a, a tip, and everybody's going to groan when I say it. But I am the poster child for journal writing for keeping a journal, <laughs> and everybody's like, "Oh, do I have to?" It's like such hard work. Your journal is your safe space to be exactly where you are, to say whatever it is you need to say, and also to process these difficult things that you're going through. Um, So just think of it as you taking time out of your day to really be that compassionate listener. It's a multidimensional process, really, because you're you're pouring out your heart and your pain and your anguish on the paper. And as, as that is being released, another part of your consciousness starts to step in, and that's the wise counselor. You start to hear yourself giving yourself very good advice on what is my next step, on, um, you know, how can I heal beyond this so that I can start to take positive action. So, journaling, keeping your own journal, make sure it's kept in a safe place. It's only for your eyes. And it's your way of really being, creating that space for yourself. And before someone else goes, a public service announcement, Carrie and I just recently did a podcast on a powerful practice for healing through divorce, and it's all about journaling. So just scroll back in your podcast list and grab that one and tune in because it's really, it's really point on. Thanks, Karen. Well, uh, my message to listeners is, is that if you do the work, you will look back at some point and realize that the divorce was painful and difficult. And it was a wonderful opportunity to take a hard look at yourself and to build a life that you that's fulfilling and that that it will open up all these doors that you didn't even know were there. And I know it's really hard for people to see that when they're in the throes of divorce. But I can tell you from personal experience, from experience working with many, many people going through the the process and post-divorce, that I have yet to speak with somebody who has worked hard to get to the other side, who has regretted their process or regretted the experience and who doesn't feel like I have the life that I was meant to have now. Mm -hmm. Well said. Mm-hmm. 
It's inspiring, Rachel. That's <laughs> good. That feels good. That feels like a good, a good message. Um, gosh, there's so many tips that come up to mind here, but the main thing is trust yourself. You and this might be a new practice that hasn't been part of your life in a while. And like Carrie said, find the safe people, find a coach, find someone that you can really process, but mainly it's you coming back to yourself and trusting that you know what you need and what's best for your life. And no matter how well-meaning and loving everyone around you might feel, um, as I say, they're not with you on a Tuesday night at 10 o'clock. You get to decide what you want this life to be and um, look for support in that. And of course, I will plug coaching on that as well. So maybe there's a couple <laughs> of tips in there because it it really works. Um, we all believe in the process. We live the process. And um, so that's, yeah, trust yourself. That's where I'm going to go with on that. Beautiful. And uh, I am a big fan of mantras. I feel like uh, mantras are quick little statements that can stick with you. And so every upset is a setup. It's a setup for personal growth. Write it down, put it on your refrigerator, put it next to your computer. And um, and to ask in every situation where you're upset, um, where's the opportunity? And that's how you get from this is happening to me to this is happening for me. And the more you do this work, the more expansive your mind and heart get in terms of where the opportunity is. What is in this for me and my growth and my refinement and my healing? And so that whether you're stuck on focusing on your soon-to-be ex or you're feeling like you're in victim mode or you don't know whether or not to stay or go or you're deep in grief, every upset is a setup for personal growth. Where's the opportunity and how can you use this difficult situation um, to move you in the direction you desire to go. Well, I think this was fabulous. Uh, I want to thank each of you uh, for joining us today. And to the listeners, write in. You can write to info at journeybeyonddivorce.com. Write your questions in if you've really found a lot of value in, in today's podcast and you have a question that you would like us to answer. Send it in and we'll add it to our list. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. You. Bye. Until next time, uh, we'll yeah. be back with JBD Team Talks real soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.